stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Some new research on an important question. It's an ongoing issue. And whether it's an issue like vaccines, certainly I think there's a lot of urgency on, on that. A genetically modified food, you could point to other issues as well. Um, where there are a lot of anti-scientific views out there uh, and people pushing views that run directly counter to what the scientific evidence tells us. And that can lead to, for example, uh, people not getting vaccinated, getting their children vaccinated. How do we overcome that? Is it as simple as trying to to educate the public about the scientific research? Uh, And this new research suggests that it's not that easy. There's a phenomenon of an illusion of knowledge, as the authors call this, with people, people have some of the most hardened and extreme views, anti-science views, tend to know the least about the subject, but actually believe that they know the most. So if the people you're trying to convince think they've got it all figured out, well, how do you get past that? And that could be a real challenge. Joining us to talk a bit more about this research, how they went about it, what they found, and what we take from it. Very pleased to welcome to the program the lead author of this study, Philip Fernback, assistant professor at the Center for Research on Consumer Financial Decision Making at the Leeds School of Business as well, University of Colorado Boulder. Uh, professor Fernback, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to speak with you. All right, we'll talk about then what, what you and your colleagues were, were looking for. What, what sparked this, this research in the first place? Um, I've been interested in the psychology of extreme views for a long time. Um, Steve Sloman and I wrote a book uh, that came out in 2017, uh, which is called The Knowledge Illusion. And in the book, we explore why human beings um, tend to overestimate how well they understand things and how that can give rise to um, having uh, extreme views of the world. Um, One of the topics that we touch on in the book is um, science literacy and controversies around um, scientific topics where there's a scientific consensus, um, but large proportions of the population maintain beliefs that are against the consensus. And we ask the question, why is that the case? And why is it so hard to change people's minds? Um, So we've been interested in this um, topic for a long time. Um, So the research that we uh, are doing here on genetically modified foods is really an offshoot of that more general interest. Well, was there a reason why you selected uh, genetically modified foods as, as kind of the basis for this survey? Yeah, it's um, it's it's a really interesting uh, topic. So, uh, genetically modified g- genetic modification is a super super important technology. Um, it's relatively new, um, and it's changing the world in pretty dramatic ways. Um, there's a scientific consensus around the safety of genetically modified foods. However, it's a technology that um, really large proportions of people have major problems with. Um, So it's a a really interesting topic of study. Um, The other reason that I like it is because I live in Boulder, Colorado, which is sort of the mecca of of opposition to GM foods. Uh, Many, many people, especially around here, um, have a major problem with, uh, with, with genetic engineering and GM foods. So it's a pretty fun topic to work on living here. So as you go about conducting these surveys, I mean, part of it obviously is is to gauge uh, what people know or how much people know about the science. But then how do you gauge the amount of confidence people have in their own views? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, 
there's a method that we use, which is uh, comes from the cognitive science literature, um, and it's pretty straightforward. We're basically asking people to give us um, a measure of how well they feel like they understand the technology, and the way that we do it is by giving them some fairly um, elaborate instructions, which tells them how to use the scale. So we set, we we give them an example, and we say, to have um, a level one knowledge of this object would be to know this much. To have a level seven would be to know this much, and then we ask them on that scale to tell us how well they feel like they understand uh, genetically modified foods. And so we find this correlation then that, that the people who seem to hold these anti-science views or know less about it tend to have more confidence in what they think they know? Exactly. So as extremity of opposition to the consensus increases, people know less objectively. That is, they get uh, more questions wrong when we ask them um, uh, knowledge questions about science and about genetics. But they claim to understand the technology better. They claim to know more. So that is the major finding of the paper, this disconnect between what those extremists actually know and how much they think they know. The illusion of knowledge, you call it. Yeah, that's right. Um, like I said, that has echoes of my book, uh, The Knowledge Illusion, yeah. uh, which is this pretty pervasive phenomenon that um, we often tend to uh, see the world in overly simplistic terms so that when we have really strong beliefs about something, they often stem from the fact that we um, think that we understand them better than we do. We fail to appreciate the complexity of the issue. Right, which, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it sounds like confirmation bias, but it, it also sounds much much deeper than that. Yeah, it's um, definitely confirmation bias is part of the reason that people have uh, views that are so hard to change. Um, but what we're saying is a little bit different from confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is the idea that you um, get a position about uh, – uh, you, you have an attitude about the world – um, and you go out and you and instead of trying to falsify that belief, you try to find information that confirms that belief. So every piece of information you see, you find a way to sort of fit it in and, and, it, and it confirms what you already believe. What we're saying is a little bit different. It's that people often fail to realize that they don't understand things as well as they think that they do. Um, and so uh, rather than having an opinion and trying to generate knowledge in favor of that opinion, sometimes people um, merely fail to realize how much there is to know about stuff. They um, neglect the unknowns. They fail to think about what they don't know. I mean, it's it's concerning, certainly at some level, because uh, when there's a need to try to set the record straight about uh, important scientific issues or try to overcome uh, anti-science views or, or denial of the scientific evidence, if, if those with hardened views are even more entrenched because they think they, they really deeply understand the issue, it makes it that much harder, doesn't it, uh, to Absolutely. overcome these views? Absolutely. That's exactly the argument that we make in the paper. So um, there's this longstanding idea in the science communication literature that the way to um, get around science denial or anti-science views is to educate people. Because when people learn uh, about the scientific consensus, they learn about the science, they'll um, come more into line with what the experts say. The problem is that that idea doesn't have a very good track record of actually influencing public opinion. Um, so there's been this major question about why does this not work and what can we do instead? Uh, I think our paper has a little bit to say about that, um, about that debate. It shows that the people who most need the education, that is the extremists who have the, the lowest amount of knowledge, are probably not going to be very receptive to education because they already feel like they understand the issue. 
And this is one of those issues as well that that really isn't isn't partisan in a sense. And, and there's a lot of political tribalism these days that I think, you know, right. uh, compounds these problems. But uh, whether, you know, it's vaccines or whether it's uh, GMO, I mean, you, you tend to find that opposition. It kind of it kind of transcends left and right, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a great observation, actually. So um GMs, a lot of people have a misconception about this, but in the United States, um, opposition to genetically modified foods is not a partisan issue. Liberals and conservatives sort of equally hate GM foods. Um, and so there's no differences uh, across party lines. Um, and so this one cuts across partisanship. Um, one uh, other thing we did in the paper was we looked at another issue, which is um, climate change denial. And that one is highly, highly partisan. So conservatives um, uh, are very prone to um, denying the consensus on climate change, um, whereas liberals are very accepting of it. And with that issue, we find a very different pattern. We do not find this um, this overall uh, sort of miscalibration that we find for GM foods. And the reason we think that is is because that issue has become so polarized and so partisan that um, people's attitudes are no longer based on what they know, but instead just merely taking from their ideological group. So where do we go from here? How do we better understand not just this phenomenon, but how to overcome it? Yeah, that's a great question. That's sort of where our research is going now. And we're trying to figure out whether there are certain kinds of interventions that might be more successful at getting people to have more open minds, getting those opponents to have more open minds about about the, the science. Um, and one thing that we're testing right now is whether we can actually teach people about the mechanism about how genetically modified foods work. Um, and there's, we think that that might have some more efficacy than just merely trying to, to tell them about the scientific consensus or educate them about the risks and benefits, um, because it might open their mind to the idea that there really is some science here that they don't understand completely. Um, so that's kind of the idea that we're going with now. But, um, I, you know, I don't want to um, fool you. It, this is a very, very difficult problem. Um, and our paper is not really offering major solutions, but merely pointing out the complexity of the challenge. It's sort of showing that there's this additional layer of the self-assessed knowledge that sort of gets in the way of the traditional ideas have people have about how to influence the debate. Yeah. Well, it is quite fascinating, obviously very important. It's published this week in the journal Nature, Human Behavior. Philip Fernbach, thank you so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.